getting ready to have a shower to go for my morning meeting. And I open the, the suitcase and I say, holy shit, who's... And I'm, you see a clown I, suit. <laughs> and I see I'm the idiot that did... I always wondered who are the idiots that take someone was, else's suitcase. And I was like, shit, it's me. <laughs> Welcome to 20 Minute Leaders. Just sit back, relax and learn from the leaders of today. It's a journey. Each one is different, unique, inspiring. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to 20 Minute Leaders. Our guest for episode 245 is Aliza Peleg, board member and high-tech executive. Aliza is a seasoned high-tech executive with over 30 years of experience combining technical, operational, and leadership roles. Her expertise spans across large, medium, and startup organizations in both private and public companies. She held varied positions across the solution value chain from product definition through go-to-market, business development, and operations. Aliza is passionate for building high-performing teams with focus and execution excellence. Aliza Pelek, thank you so much for joining me on 20 Minute Leaders. Good morning. Hi, good morning. Great to be with you. It, it's fantastic to have you here. Uh, first off, uh, you know, we, we're... So we know each other for many, many years. We were recently reintroduced through Jay Ventures. But uh, the very first thing that I, that I saw about you is that you're a board member of Asian Box, which, uh, like I mentioned to you, is one of my favorite restaurants of all time based in California. So, so thank you for making it happen and for uh, allowing me to have such a, such a great meal. Obviously, it's, a, it's a, just one of many, many things that you're doing. I can't wait to talk about your career and, and some of the insights that you've gained. Uh, give me a second, just give a brief introduction as to to some of the incredible things you've done, and then I'll let you take it from there. Uh, but starting out as developer relations for the Mac platform all the way back in 91 with Apple, to being a manage, managing director at SAP, to head of global planning and operations at Better, at Better Place, uh, one of the most revolutionary and innovative uh, companies that spun out of Israel with, with the great support of Shimon Peres, chief operating officer of Planet Soho, GM at, at, uh, at NICE, uh, Chief Operating Officer at Reali, and, board, and now uh, board members of both Ayehu Software and Asian Box. Aliza, incredible, incredible career. Uh, but before we get into that, you mentioned you have a fun story to share with me. Well, first of all, thank you for that great introduction. And um, it just shows you how many years I go back. <laughs> and, uh, and I have to thank you for being a loyal customer of... Uh, of Asian Box, it's been it's been tough during the COVID season and trying to keep sure. the service going and feeding our amazing customers with this very fresh and organic and gluten free yeah. food is is indeed a, a challenge. But we've been rewarded by the by the phenomenal support of our customers and keep it up and spread the word and we love your support. So thanks a million. And that's really probably the only thing that I've done in my career, which is not tech or software related. Right. So, so it's an interesting, it's a, it's a wonderful phenomenal, a phenomenon. Um, as for an interesting story, you know, I'm, I'm sure that there are tons. Uh, the one that comes to my mind is that I actually had a breakfast meeting with a CFO of a Fortune 500 with my pajamas. So, how does um, that how, how does that happen? How does that happen? Um, so um, one of those five a.m. Uh, flights. <laughs> that means you leave your house at, at two o'clock in the morning and you pack a suitcase. And I fly quite often, so I I fly what I call in my pajamas, which is just the, the worst sweats, uh, the most comfortable T-shirt and sneakers, and just to be able to sleep in a flight. 
And, um, and this is pre-business class where they give you pajamas. This is sitting in coach with my own T-shirt and sweats. And I fly for a meeting in the morning with the CFO. And I land at the airport. And I didn't believe this would ever happen to me. I took someone else's suitcase. Wow. Which looked, exactly, which looked exactly like mine. I traveled an hour to the hotel, getting ready to have a shower to go for my morning meeting. And I open the, the suitcase and I say, holy shit, who's... And I'm, you see a clown I, suit. <laughs> and I see I'm the idiot that did... I always wondered who are the idiots that take someone I, else's suitcase. And I was like, shit, it's me. <laughs> And it was, was it was horrific. Say, I always wonder, I always wonder, I, who is that person? <laughs> who is the idiot that didn't check? It was exactly the same color, the exact same size. The good news is, A, I, it had a phone number. I called the guy and I said, Joe, I have your stuff. Don't freak out. Um, he uh, obviously left my suitcase at the, at the airport. I immediately called the cab. It cost me hundred euros each direction to just to drop the other suitcase and come back with mine. But there was no time for the meeting. And I just went in my pajamas with my sneakers, with this crappy old t-shirt. And, and I walked into this beautiful immaculate office. The guy's wearing a, a white starch shirt with a beautifully tight tie. And I said, I'm sorry, I'm in my pajamas. <laughs> That's, that's oh, my little that. story. Wonderful, wonderful, and, and an amazing leeway into into the phenomenal career that you've had. Uh, most interestingly, you know, if I'm looking at at this at this amazing list, I'm seeing a lot of vision, and we talked about this very briefly before we started. Where I'm seeing companies that are really revolutionizing whatever industry they're in, and one of the things that I'm learning to appreciate both through Stanford and J Ventures is that not is that most companies, especially in tech, are not necessarily visionary or revolutionary. A lot of them are, are nice, they're great, they're building upon predecessors. But here I'm seeing a good cohort of companies that are really trying to break the mold and do something else. Talk to me a little bit about why you're attracted to, to these visionary companies. Um, yeah, that's great. It's true. My career does span across very small companies and very big companies. Um, startups and innovative and not so startup and innovators. So um, it, it's true that, I, that I've been around, but I am really attracted to, to the visioneers. And um, I think what led me to it was sort of one thing to the other. I'm not, I'm not a visioneer of myself, as myself. Um, I think that um, my strengths is, have always been around execution hmm. and operation and progress and sort of connect connecting um, the organization and grounding the organization to the founder's vision. So I think I found myself teaming up with, with, with entrepreneurs that have a phenomenal vision, but don't necessarily know how to connect that vision into day-to-day execution by a team that's focused, that's functioning, and that allows them to really uh, and truly realize their vision. And I think being in that environment of uh, entrepreneurship, and when we really, really, you know, fighting for our existence on a daily basis, yet we can't just stay in the clouds. And, uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and vision without execution um, is actually not going to be 
a great way to success to succeed it takes it takes a lot of honesty and and courage and maturity to come and say i don't see myself as somebody that's visionary but i i know that my strengths are connecting the dots when you take somebody with a vision and what needs to happen in order to get to that vision uh, and and i and i and i really it, it inspires me because I, i think that you know especially growing around the community that i'm in that you sort of expect every young entrepreneur to be visionary and all do it yourself and you can do everything and and having that you know honesty and the, the courage to say these are things that i'm good at these are things that i'm not good at and i want to capitalize on what i'm really good at and, and for you that's the role of the chief operating officer and i haven't had the pleasure of having too many coos on the show not nearly especially with the, with the background that you have here what is the role of the operating officer within both a small startup and and a large organization That's great. And I also want to, before I go into the details, I'll also explain, and, it's, and maybe that's a fun fact too. It wasn't <laughs> only that I uh, necessarily chose that or understood that quickly in, uh, early on. I think I might have demonstrated early on and entrepreneurs uh, uh, discovered that in me and pulled mm. me into it more than I said, this is what I do. Well, I did, I did work with an entrepreneur without mentioning names who started the second company and, uh, and wanted me to join. And I said, um, you know what? I need a little bit of time off between, you know, I'll, I'll wait a while and I'll join you later. And he's answered to me, no worries. Um, I'm going to start now. You can join whenever you want. I just want to make sure that, you know, the later this, you start, the more you'll have to clean up. And then I said, oh, then I said <laughs> I okay. I love that. <laughs> okay, I'll see you Monday morning. And that was the end of my time off because I think he, he, he coined it better than I. So a ni- That's not, beautiful. So, not so nice way to describe it is to clean up the founders or the entrepreneurs or the visionaires shit. That's one part of the job. Uh, one way of describing it. Um, a nicer way of describing it is, is really to try and get the machinery going, really to mm. try and get a rhythm, right? That there's a rhythm of, of, of planning and executing and measuring, learning from it, moving on, planning again, executing, measuring and learning. So it's something to keep the organization accountable to we know what we're doing, we're doing it, and we said we would do it, we're doing it, And we said, we did it. And then we move on and have the ability to sort of get that into some kind of a spirit without being too bureaucratic, without being too, too slow. But if, if, you, if you don't measure and if you don't really understand and if you don't learn, you can get off track really, really quickly and sort of forget where, where you started. And sometimes, you know, the, the, the vision is, is so far out and this vector, you have to sort of be quite sure on the vector and now it's okay to pivot it's okay to change it's okay to go in a zigzag but i believe in in conscious zigzag and in understanding mm. and not being and not and proactive zigzag versus reactive i love that i love that so do you see a very big difference between the chief operating officer of a startup and and that of a large company because i'm sure there's it's two different worlds right on one hand you're talking about potentially cleaning after you know that visionary's mess and obviously it's not because they're they're messy but it's because you know part of the role requires that they do run quickly and they try different things they break things and you need to have that figure that comes and says okay let's put some order here and and make sure that we're that we're keeping that we're aligning to our vision 
So what? So what? What are the sort of the distinctions between the two? Well, first there are distinctions, and I would just to, for the sake of clarity, I wasn't a COO in large companies. In larger companies, I was more a, a GM or a managing director of a big unit. So that was more of an overall business leadership role over mm-hmm. over a, uh, either a line of business. You know, it's it, nice. I managed a two hundred million dollar line of business. Or at SAP, I was the head of, I was the managing director of SAP Labs in the U.S., which was the largest lab outside of Germany, and wow. I also led, and I also led the the lab network, which was seven labs outside of Germany. So that was a different kind of an operating. So that's an operating role, but it's not the COO. In the startup world, I think it really depends. You know, it's not appropriate for a startup with seven people in the garage. Right, and you're just figuring out your product, and you don't really have product market fit, and you're still breaking things. That's not really when you have a COO, but when you've developed a product, and we'll talk about better place separately because that was really from day one. We were three people in the company. Really, it started. It started in my living room. We ran the company What? for six months out of my house. You know, that's that's a that's a different. That's a different. We'll talk about that. But in, if we talk about the general level of um, of, of startups, you know, if you, I've been mainly in the software world. So if you're six, five or six people developing a small or a huge product, but it's just the beginning and you're breaking and you're not sure. And but once you start, uh, and when you say the word scaling, it's it's scary because you can scale in hundreds of millions. You can also scale from from five people to fifteen people. But if you If you understand that um, you're lacking some huge capabilities around people management, process management, go-to-market management, so there's becoming a little bit more functions that are beyond the development. Uh, the CEO is not the only guy who's doing the sales, um, right. you know. And 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 you either the the CEO or the founding team um, take this upon themselves. You know, they really understand. We need to start thinking about our go-to-market. We need to think about hiring. We need to think about culture. We need to think about processes. If they have that kind of talent, then there's no need for a CEO at, at early stages. But when you need, when you feel, you know, one guy is really the architect and the other guy is the head of the development and one guy can sort of talk to investors and everything else is falling apart. In process, you know, in in the in the process, in the machinery, in the hiring, in in the HR, in finance, then you then you you know, then you start thinking about is there is there a person who can aggregate all this sort of stuff together and run it? And then if you start going to customer success and you have support and you have got yeah, you know, so the more functions you go depends very much on the composition and the talent of the the founders. That's uh, that's fascinating, Aliza. I have to hear the the founding of of BetterHelp out of your living room. Uh, I I can't imagine anybody listening to this who doesn't know what BetterHelp is. But better uh, place, sorry. Sake. Better better, better place. place, sorry. Better place. Yes. I, Alon Matas from Palator is a great friend, and I've been talking to him a lot. And BetterHelp is also a fantastic company, also a phenomenal company. But better place is is remarkable. 
because it really is an innovation through necessity, a, a revolutionary story within Israel, of, of course, with the, with, the, with the late Shimon Peres as a huge supporter. And I remember growing up, I, I think I was maybe 13, 14, when, it was, when, when I started seeing it roll out in the big headlines. And, and really what people were excited about was how revolutionary it was. And here you have some really courageous people with a very courageous leader uh, in the government that are running together to really change the way we think about, you know, consuming fuel and how cars run on the road and moving to a green planet. Talk to me a little bit about Better Place. First of all, it's amazing that you know so much about it and, and you were a young boy and it's great. And you spoke so beautifully about the company. You should have been part of our team, probably <laughs> even, even when you were 12 or 13 years old. So um, that's great. It was, it was absolutely a phenomenal experience. Unfortunately, it crashed badly. And there's a whole session and I actually ran a small a case study at, at Stanford for six for really? five years. Yes, I run uh, an annual case about uh, the the rise and fall of Better Place. Um, wow! But but an incredible incredible leader and a phenomenal visioneer. And we can all talk about the billion dollar crash. I wanted for a second uh, put a plug in that I think that um, Shia Gassi, the the founder, the visioneer, and the leader. I would say uh, it probably single-handedly um, pushed the industry to a point that that's why we see um, so many EVs around the world. Um, I agree. The, the system didn't work. The change didn't work. We made a lot of mistakes. So the vision was 100% right. But if I can give credit to him, uh, the, the single largest credit that I can give him is that I think that he single-handedly pushed in pushed the industry in his confidence in his arrogance in his lack of humility he walked into the heads of all the automakers and said if you don't do EVs you're going to die in 2007 wow. in 2007 we went to the Frankfurt auto show and there wasn't one EV on the floor or even a prototype or even a demo car or nothing. By 2010 or 11, there wasn't a manufacturer in the entire world that didn't have an EV story or an EV platform or an EV strategy wow. or something. And, um, and that I think, I think he, Shai himself and Better Place as, as his wing, I think, uh, I, re I think really, really moved it. Even Elon Musk at that time, um, who was already close to delivering the Roadstar um, and delivered the Roadstar, even at that time, didn't publicly say, I don't want to take away from his vision at all, you know, that the, that the entire world should move to EV. He was, he, was, he was demonstrating that if you are a Porsche lover, you can do that with an EV. And EV is not a golf cart. And you can have the best and fastest and greatest car. But mass consumption mass scale, no one spoke about. And Shai really believed that that, that could happen. So that, um, now the reason in Better Place, there was a head of operations from day one, because that was um, a huge undertaking. It was obvious that Shai would be outbound. Governments, uh, financing, um, regulations, big, outbound activities would have zero attention 
and also l less capability, but mainly zero attention to in, in, into the company. So the entire processes of starting to build the team from scratch and it was a, and it was about wow. so many dimensions because the not only the product was complicated from from software and hardware and batteries and all the physics and all the capabilities of hardware you know the market the global expansion the 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 regulations the, the managing the finance managing the people managing the legality that we knew would be incredibly difficult from day one so uh, he started with that structure that um we would move forward with. I think that's that's remarkable, and and I think sometimes we we tend to forget that everybody has twenty four hours in a day. I remember that a few a few months ago, somebody mentioned to me. You know, we were talking about the presidency of the United States, and we were talking about all the different how busy they must be and the different things they get done. And then they said, you know, you know, the president also has 24 hours in the day, they also need to sleep for at least, you know, five or six of them. And so we're not very different. And, and so I think it's sometimes easy to forget that, you know, you can't have one person who just does it all is both a visionary outbound inbound, and you need to have those, those different processes uh, in, in place and, and be very honest about them, be very intentional about them. You use the word intentionality in the zigzag and in the operations in the beginning of this discussion. And, and I love that word, and, and, I, and I take it to heart and I'm very excited as I go on my entrepreneurial journey to rem remind myself to continuously be intentional about what I'm doing, uh, who I'm doing it with and why I'm doing it. But Aliza, tell me a little bit about being a part of this, of this team that is really educating the market, educating governments and really going against the grain at a time where no other manufacturing company in Frankfurt is showing any interest in it. What is that like? Um, well, we had the beginning. Well, it was it was great. It was tough. It was uh, excruciating, uh, difficult, but and it was also rewarding. But it also had its challenges, which eventually led to, I believe, our demise, because uh, and that's where you lack the when the when the gap between um, your vision and execution is is widening instead of closing. And mm. also between the story that you tell others and the story that you tell yourself. So I, you know, at some point, and we'll get to um, it a little bit later. But you know, um, it was huge because we raised a lot of money, and because right. there were true phenomenal believers behind it, we could tell a real great story. And you need a story in order to 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 drag people, governments, countries. So you need a phenomenal story. And we had that. We had the money and we had good storytellers. And I think that creates a very positive momentum. And, and sometimes it's really hard when I think of small startups who have a great story and they don't have the money or the bandwidth or the capability to actually tell it. We, we sort of had, um, we had the privilege to tell a huge story and the means to tell huge. it loudly loudly and beautifully so at the beginning you actually the momentum and and the motivation just coming from the success of the stories that there's so many people listening and so many people buying into it um it, so it's misleading sometimes you get carried away you drink your own kool-aid which is a problem in of itself um but that's how you get going you sort of really have to create this 
this positive cycle of you tell the story, people buy the story, then you tell people that you told the story. And we also hired phenomenal people. Um, and our team in Israel, um, which was led by uh, Kaplinsky, the, was amazing. And their execution capability, both in the operation, building out the stations, building out the prototypes, getting the car to work, and R&D, an R&D team that I think worked more than 24 hours a day, I have to admit. Um, um, I think, so I think there was a lot of uh, small successes and progress. I wouldn't call them small, that's not fair. I think there were huge progresses in certain domains that, that helped us believe that we're making great progress. But actually with such a company, all the chain is huge. There are many links in the chain and you're only as strong as your weakest link. And the fact that some links were missing doesn't help the story. That takes time to, to figure out. And, and unfortunately at some point, um, I did feel that I can't contribute anymore. I can't really fulfill my role as I should. And I decided to leave. And so very, very courageous. And uh, I, I can't believe that it spun out of your, out of your living room. And uh, one of the first three people, I remember actually, I, I was very, I still am a very, very good friends with uh, one of Shai's children, Jonathan. And we spent, so uh, spent many, 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 so many weekends, uh, many, many weekends at their house. Uh, Shai is also a fantastic poker player, and he taught yes. us uh, he taught us uh, a lot about his skills, and we were uh, very passionate about the behavioral economics behind it. And during the games, uh, he would tell us a lot of stories and and a lot of inspiration. And when I'm thinking back to you know why why I'm so excited about technology and why I'm why I was so excited as a kid following this journey, I think that 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 was a huge part of it. It's it's seeing also from the background like what like it's real. It's not just in the headlines and the papers. And these the challenges are really uh, are really tangible, uh, and and at the end everybody's just a human being, and and we try to move the needle, and and I'm sure that you have uh, such incredible fulfillment from from knowing that you, did, you really did move the needle, and it's one of Israel's most courageous innovation innovative stories uh, ever since its founding. I think it's it's just remarkable, Aliza. Uh, I want to thank you for being so generous with your time. Twenty minutes go by very very quickly. Uh, but I, but unfortunately, we uh, the show is called Twenty Minute Leaders. I should have called it uh, an Hour Minute Leaders. Uh, but before we leave, I have to ask you the most difficult question, uh, which is three words that you would use to describe yourself, and feel free to answer it however however you feel. Well, maybe I, maybe I can be a little bit generous with the definition of three, <laughs> like a good Israeli and negotiate with you. Um, there you go. Yeah, I think. Um, wow, that's hard. Um, I'll take a stab, and I'm sure it's not it's not the real or the only, uh, but, the, I'm but, sure. it's the, but it's the ones that come to mind. I think that um, not necessarily in order of priority. I think is um, in a, in a not self proclaiming way, but I think it's something about um, integrity and authenticity would be my first. In terms of, um, I really do speak my mind. Yes. And sometimes people don't even like it, but it, it, what, <laughs> what, what um, I really, I really speak my mind um, and I walk my talk. I try very hard to walk my talk. Um, so I think the second one, which might be related, is, is, um, is courage. And the courage, 100%. and the courage is, um, is, um, 
it, it's not the same courage as as the the visioneer. I didn't, you know, it's not the courage of thinking uh, how I'm going to change the world. It's not that kind of courage, um, but it's definitely the courage of being with people like that, not knowing necessarily where payroll will come tomorrow and where. So dealing with 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 the fears and uncertainties of a startup, that that's an easier courage. The courage that I think that I that I possess is really not good of ramifications of me doing the right thing. My confidence mm. about my beliefs about doing the right thing, whatever ramifications will bring, I think that's courage. And, I've, I've, and I wouldn't have known that, but I've heard people tell me that. because So I think that, I that. That, that's a kind of courage, you know, knowing that if you, you know, this will bring you, get you into trouble, um, this will, um, you may lose your job, you may fall out, right. out of favor with someone, but I think there's there's something. Um, it was wonderful until now, Aliza. The walking the talk, it, it's, it, it's. Uh, I think it, it, not not enough people do it, and I think it's that that courage of actually executing on your intentions. And we talked about being intentional a lot. And uh, I loved when you when you brought up the walk the talk with that first word, uh, with integrity, because it's 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 its own world in itself. And I think that having knowing lot, that there's yeah. somebody that. You, knowing somebody that you can trust that you can trust that person and that you can really believe that they'll walk what that they'll do whatever they say they'll do not necessarily that they'll do it right or 100% but but that they'll actually be intentional in doing it uh, to me that that's what trust is about that's what partnership is about so so if if it's okay with you I'll take that as the third word oh great i actually wanted to add a different one but i'm happy to it, it, it's a derivative but that's but that's perfect that's perfect i love it aliza Thank you very, very much. This was inspiring and thoughtful and a lot more. Uh, so thank you for giving me the time and, and I look forward no, to thank keeping you. in touch. Yeah, okay. thank you for the opportunity. It's been a lot of fun and now you owe me a cup of coffee. Hey.